Um, uh, this morning we are going to look at the whole issue of transgender. We're carrying on our modern sexuality uh, series and we are just so incredibly grateful to have Libby Littlewood and Ramin, her fiancé, here uh, this morning. Just give them a big round of applause if you can, that'd be really good. <clears throat> Um, and they get married in three weeks' time, so it's a really big deal. So we're going to pray for you. <laughs> uh, we're going to really uh, pray for you because we want to celebrate that with you. But transgender identity and transgender ideology is a massive issue facing us today, is it not? I think it is impacting every area of our culture, whether it's genetics whether it's education, I was reading just yesterday about a group that many, many schools will have groups that will go in specifically to help children who have gender dysphoria and will really encourage them down that route. So it's affecting genetics, it's affecting education, it's affecting fashion, it's affecting medicine. I read an article um, just a couple of weeks ago by a guy called Jordan Peterson who was fairly sort of like strident on this, but his view on the whole uh, transgender ideology in medicine is this, that he said that we're sacrificing children on the altar of a, of a brutal far-left ideology. I mean, it's just interesting, isn't it? And people being treated, there's a, I, I think you've probably seen in the newspaper recently, a number of court cases that are coming up of people that were transitioning, and now they are suing gender identity clinics because they feel they've done it and due diligence wasn't carried out on them, were they mentally strong enough you know, and able to cope with it? Athletics. Has anyone seen the whole issue of Leah Thomas, the US swimming, you know, and the US national championships? She went through puberty as a boy, she then transitioned, and then surprisingly enough, she was winning all the races. I mean, it's just it's confusing. Safe spaces for women. Reading of a, play, of a rape crisis centre down in Brighton that now there are transgender men would be included in those groups and women feel, I, I can't be there. And there's this massive sense of confusion across the world. I'm sure you might have even heard about the Halifax Building Society. Did you see that? That they want on their name labels, they, 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 they could say you can have your preferred pronoun underneath it. And people are just saying, why are you doing that? And then they, people complained and said, why are, you, why are you imposing that ideology on us? And Halifax really helpfully said, if you don't like it, you can close your account. So do you know, there's, there's, it's in your face at the moment. But also, there's an awful lot just of confusion. We have a number of people, a number of family and friends, whose children are now saying, are coming back home saying, actually, I feel I'm in the wrong body. I feel I'm a man in a woman's body or vice versa. And, and what do we say to that? How can we, like, carefully and pastorally, but truthfully, come into some of these issues and speak words of grace? I think then we are often dealing with people who are confused and hurt and sometimes angry. And how do we speak truth and grace into that? Just need to let you know that the, uh, the Bible is quite binary. And what I mean by binary is it doesn't mean it's some sort of like method of counting, but the Bible is fairly black and white. It says, in fact, in, just in this particular moment, but I'm going to ask Libby to come up in a moment, 
But I just, I really want to read from the Bible, just so you know what it says. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, it says this, it says this. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And then God goes on to say, and behold, I've done a good thing. I've created something good. So this morning, we're just going to explore these issues. And, um, and we want to do it in a way that is pastoral, but we want to do it that is landing on truth. We need to be reorientated to the truth of what the Bible is saying. Because that's how we will give like a remedy for all the confusion that is out there. So, can I please, Libby, would you like to come up and join me up here? Big round of applause, please, for Libby. <clears throat> yeah, do you want to? I'm going to sit down in a minute, is that all right? I think it might. It might. Turn this on. Uh, let me just. You have that one. Oh, you're on. You're on. Uh, okay. Am I on? Right. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. so yeah. what we're going to do is this. Um, Libby is just going to tell her something of her story, and you know what that was. You know, her story of growing up and her experience of transgender. Then um, we're going to go into. Libby's going to do a little bit of a, a pricey of transgender ideology. And then we're going to go to this place of, well, how do we respond? What can we do, best of all, as churches, as people, to our friends and to our families and things like that? Um, and just before you go, did, I'm going to pray for you. I don't know if you saw the email that um, we sent out this week, but it's quite an interest. There's a progression of Libya at different stages, and it'd be really good just to say something about those different stages. But can I just pray for you, and then I'll let you get on. By the way, also, just to let you know, Libby, how much sleep have you had? Two hours. So, so Libby and Rump, they're getting married in a few weeks. They're just sorting their house out in Manchester. They've made a massive like effort to be down here. And we are so grateful for you doing that. We genuinely really, really appreciate you coming down here. And to, <laughs> and to hear your voice as well into it. But also just aware, there's like quite a lot of vulnerability, isn't there? For somebody to come up and say, look, this is who... I am, this is who I was. And, you know, they're talking about quite personal issues. So let me just pray for you, and then I'll be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for Libby. We thank you, O oh God, for the way that the truth of Scripture has settled on her heart. And God, we pray that now you would equip the saints through Libby's story, through her testimony, we pray, oh God, that we would be emboldened to see your kingdom coming. And we, we pray against, Lord, all the confusion that there is in the world at the moment. And all of the harm and the damage that that is doing to countless, countless people. To a whole generation of young people. And we say, God, come and help us, Lord, to gracefully, kindly and gently stand firmly on the truth of Scripture. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay. Your story, and then when you're done, just give me a look, and then we'll do the PowerPoint. Okay. Yeah, wonderful. I guess I'll stand towards here. I've got very little to put on this uh, 
podium, but I'll just <laughs> I'll leave it. Um, it's mainly to check that I'm not overrunning and telling my story for about an hour. Um, <coughs> sorry. Do you want some water? Oh, yeah, please. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Um, all right, so uh, I'm Libby. Um, I was born in Manchester. Yes, there we go, represent Manchester. Um, uh, in 1996, um, I was born to two parents who loved me very much. And I'm the second of two children. I have an older brother who's about two years older than me, who I absolutely idealized growing up. I don't know if anybody here has got older brothers or sisters, but you kind of grow up thinking like they're the best person in the world. Um, and as with every family, my family wasn't really perfect. And so I had a father who absolutely adored me and my brother, but wasn't very good at standing up for himself as a man. And he wasn't very good at holding authority in situations. I had a mother who also absolutely adored our family and would have done anything for our family, um, who made us fresh food every single day and fresh baked goods and all sorts of things and really looked after us, but who had had a really traumatic upbringing and had real issues with her own femininity. Um, she, for all intents and purposes, if the transgender thing was around in her day, she probably would have become transgender and it would have been a really good way out for her as far as she might have seen it. But it wasn't, so she started a family and became a really good mum instead. Um, but what that kind of did to me is I was born into that family where neither of my parents had actually dealt with those issues. So my dad hadn't dealt with his sort of issues of authority, his issues with masculinity, where he didn't know how to find himself as a man. My mum hadn't dealt with her issues of femininity. She didn't know how to find herself as a woman. She didn't really want to find herself as a woman. Um, and so I grew up quite confused because what I saw was that female was this completely unobtainable, amazing, wonderful thing that I couldn't really be part of because, interestingly enough, my mum had postpartum depression when I was born. And so I didn't develop much of a bond with her in those early few weeks. And that kind of lasted in that way as well. Um, so I thought femininity was this unattainable, amazing thing, and masculinity and being male, well, that was just the, the thing in the dirt that you get to be if you don't attain female. Um, and obviously, at the age of five, when I was beginning to ask my parents questions like, shouldn't I just be a boy? They, I wasn't really aware that that's why I was asking those questions. But I just remember from my earliest memories feeling like, oh yeah, I'm going to grow up to be like a boy, like my dad or like my brother. Um, and I came to Christ at about the age of six or seven. Um, I had a wonderful experience where I felt the Holy Spirit say to me that God loves all his children. And I realized that all his children is everything in creation. God loves everything in creation and wants the best for everything in creation, which is wonderful because that means I can have a glass of water. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs>
Thank you. Um, and I'll spill it in a minute, so it's fine. Um, and that, that just really stuck with me um, throughout my entire faith journey, um, especially when, when I was about 11 years old, my church entirely disintegrated, so did my parents' marriage. My mum got really ill, um, and I no longer had a church to really attend because my church had split into these ideological factions because there was no pastor anymore because he'd been moved to a different church, and it was a whole big mess. And I still maintained that I had a faith in Jesus, but I had no idea that going to church was actually like a really important tenet of my faith and was really important to keep me on the straight and narrow. Um, and this is also the time where I started puberty and I had this really big question of why am I not turning into a man like I thought I would. Um, and everything just kind of like closed in on me because all my friends were male, not because I had hated women or anything, but just because that's how it was. And none of them seemed to want to hang out with me anymore. I couldn't really understand why. And I just felt really depressed and I started Googling my symptoms because that's what you do when you've got a laptop for the first time in your life. And so <clears throat> you've got, <clears throat> sorry, you've got 12 year old Libby Googling why am I a girl but I feel like I should be a boy in 2009 and coming up with transgenderism, which basically taught me that gender is a feeling. So now I already felt like female was unattainable. And now what I'm being told is that, okay, yeah, actually, if you were to do a quiz of whether you're a female or not, you'd probably fail that quiz. And so you'd be in the male category because here, look at all these grown men who are wearing dresses and that's what makes them a woman. Oh, I don't want, I don't have an innate urge to wear frilly dresses. So I guess I'm a man. And that's, that's really kind of like what the ideology boils down to. And then I discovered that if I were going to go down this path, then, oh, I guess I've got to take cross-sex hormones for the rest of my life. And I've got to do, have all these invasive surgeries. And I still won't be entirely a man. But from the perspective I saw it, I would be more of a man than I ever could be a woman. Um, and I didn't want that, so I prayed about it. And I was brought up by parents who were kind of progressive Christians, so they didn't really teach me that homosexuality was not God's will for people. They didn't teach me that God creates as male and female, and that means that you can't be anything outside of male and female. So I grew up thinking that God makes people gay or transgender and that that's just part of his diverse creation. Um, and so I thought, oh no, well, if I'm transgender, God's made me that way. Okay, God, can you either just like make my brain the brain of a woman or my body the body of a man? Just like, I want it to match up. Like, that'd be so much easier for me. And that didn't happen. Um, be still and know that I am God is kind of the response that I got there and I didn't really understand it because I was 12 years old and I didn't have a church to ask any of these questions to. When I was 14, my mum died and I saw that happen. And at this point, I'd tried to just deny the transgender stuff and push it down. I'd been to therapy, but 
they'd kind of told me that I either had to accept that transgenderism is a real legitimate thing and become transgender, or accept that transgenderism is a real legitimate thing and I don't quite make the cut of being transgender. Um, so when I was 14 and I watched my mum die in front of me, I also, on a certain level, watched any hope of femininity that I had die in front of me. Because now I'm right in the middle of sort of going through puberty and being a teenager and all those confusing things. My dad and his new wife didn't really seem to like me very much and didn't really seem to think very much of me. And my dad had obviously re remarried very quickly. So in my mind that meant, oh, okay, so I'm not really needed as a woman then. Like There's a different gene pool of woman that my dad prefers. Um, and so for the following two years, which were the years I did my GCSEs, I hated myself and couldn't wait to get out of that home. And I was trying my best to not live as a man. And then I ran away at 16. All sorts of horrible things happened to me in the following 11 months. And I just went, Do you know what, I give up. Fine, like the transgender feelings aren't going away. I'm gonna cut my hair short, I'm gonna start wearing only men's clothing, I'm gonna change my name, I'm gonna change the pronouns people use, and I'm gonna live my life as a man and nobody's gonna tell me not to. And so that's what I did. Didn't have any family to tell me no, because if my family had said anything, I wouldn't have listened to them. And I, at the age of 17, started living as a man. Um, made a big Facebook post about it so everybody knew what pronouns to call me. And I, it worked pretty well for me. Like I, I did pretty well at passing for, a, for being a man. I was good at deceiving people, even though I didn't realize that's what I was doing. And then only a few months later, because of all the stuff I'd had with the NHS and the counseling, only a few months later, I was given testosterone. I started injecting that. I grew a beard. My voice like dropped down to like a baritone voice. Like I looked like a man quite quickly from all of this. I then started doing my A-levels and I was feeling great. Like it was just a normal thing for me. I was like, oh yeah, this is great. Everything's back to normal now. Everything's as it should be. I'll just be a man for the rest of my life. And that's kind of what I thought would happen. Except when I was 21, I was halfway through my first year at university because I'd started a little bit late. And I got really sick and the testosterone stopped working that I'd been taking. And so I not only felt terrible physically, but I felt terrible emotionally and spiritually. And all these things were just kind of like messing around. And I'm walking to the local hospital to try and figure out what's wrong. And then they tell me, oh, to be fair, I don't think you should go home and be alone tonight, but we don't have any room on the psych ward for you, so we'll have to send you home. So I'm walking home in the middle of the night in the streets of Salford and I'm saying, God, if you've got some plan for me, it better be the most amazing thing ever. And I hear that still quiet voice say, go find a church. Oh, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> after all of this, after all I've been through, you could, you're sending me to a church. So um, I run into a guy in Manchester. He offers me to go to his church. I say, yeah, I don't go. I run into a lady who's like evangelizing in my local town. 
she offers for me to go to her church and she offers to give me a lift there every single Sunday. And I say yes, I give her my phone number, I never reply to the texts. And then I've got this crazy landlord who's threatening me with violence for not being able to make rent. And I go and report him to the police on a Saturday night. So I'm walking through the town centre on a Saturday night in the middle of the night. <clears throat> and I come across the street pastors. And I say to them, okay, how do you become a street pastor? That sounds like a thing that I could do. And they go, oh, we do it through our local churches. You've got to attend church for a year. It's like, oh, okay, right. What church do you go to? Of course, the church that they went to is the church that was across the road from this flat that I was living in that I didn't want to go back to. Um, and they told me that they were going to be late to the service the next day anyway, so there's not really any excuse for me. So I said, you know what, God? It's in your hands. You can do this. Um, I start going to that church, and I become really involved. I get involved in the worship band. Like, I'm going to this church dressed as a man, and nobody knows any better. Like They just think this, this lad Ryan's just showed up, and he's, like, he's, he's wonderful, and he's spirit-filled, and he's playing the flute in the worship band and he's now leading our young kids group as well on a Sunday evening and he knows the Bible and he's well, that's brilliant yeah <laughs> and then gradually because um because in any church gossip kind of does stir up a little bit you know we're human we're not perfect people gradually started to find out that actually I was not who I was claiming to be they gradually start to find out actually no I think I knew a girl with this last name in high school. I was like, oh, oh I, knew, I knew this. He sure, no, he couldn't be, could he? No. And eventually people started finding out. <laughs> Unbeknownst to me, because I was like so confident that nobody was ever going to find out and I didn't want anybody to ever find out because like, I was just a man as far as I was concerned. And it got to the point where all this gossip had started building up. And somebody said to me, like, a few people said, like, a couple things to me, like, oh, I know what you're going through. I'm really confused about that one. Still confused about that one. Um, it was just a random old man in church. Uh, <laughs> so um, I, I also then, at this point, I'm praying about baptism, whether I should get baptized. I did get baptized last year, by the way, so it's all... It's all good. You're too late for me to do the thing on the 17th. Um, but then God's showing me all these visions and all these dreams that so, tell me that I'm going to have a ministry and I'm going to be working in ministry and that's what he wants me to do. So I tell my friend at church this, he's a missionary. And I'm like, oh, I've got this whole ministry thing that God's put on my heart. And he goes, as much as I'd love nothing more than to see behind a pulpit, we got to sort this transgender thing out first. And I was like, oh, oh, okay, I guess he just doesn't get it, right? I'll, I'll go and explain to him what transgenderism means. He'll understand it, and uh, we'll be on the right page, and I'll just be a man for the rest of my life as a minister. Wonderful. Um, that's not how that went, because when I actually tried to explain it to him, he goes, have you ever asked God about this? And I was like, well, I asked him to change it, but I didn't really ask him like, what he thought about it, no. 
Um, and I was convinced God was going to be like, yeah, I made you to be a man. This is like what I made you for. And I'm going to make you, you know, set the captives free of the LGBT community or something in the church. And so I get into the scripture and I'm praying and I'm asking God for scripture that applies to things. I'm asking God, like, will I ever have a wife? I wasn't attracted to women. But I thought it was a really good way for me to figure out whether God was like in support of me being a man. And he brings me to Ecclesiastes 7.13. Consider the work of God for who can straighten what he has made crooked. Um, and there's a plethora of verses and passages in scripture that God led me to, to different answers to different questions. All about faith, all about being the way that God created you, all about respecting the Lord and his lordship. And in the end, I was watching YouTube and this documentary came up called Transformed. It was about a bunch of people who'd left transgenderism for Jesus. I was like, kind of stuck in one place staring at this documentary where this woman pours out her story about having happily lived as a man for 11 years and then God convicting her to live as a woman again and miraculously restoring her. And I was like, oh no, God, is this what you want for me? And so I asked him for three proofs. Um, so I, I was sort of a leader in a church group at the time. We had this leaders meeting that happened on a Thursday, first Thursday in a month. And we had a guest preacher who had come from somewhere else in the world who I would never have met before. Um, and so I'm there at literally 1 a.m. at my bed and I go, God, I'm going to ask you for three proofs if you want me to start living as a woman again because this is I'm not going to do this if it's not what you want. All right, first of all, whenever I pray before bed, I have a good dream. So I want to pray that you give me a bad dream if I'm supposed to be a woman because I've never, I could never imagine a bad dream that comes from God. So I asked him for that. I said, also, I'm going to go to this leaders meeting thing tomorrow. And the guy who's going to preach, don't know who he is, don't know where he's from. But I want you to go to him right now. Change everything that he's preaching to something else. Make him preach about something else and make it relate to this. And then also, I want him to do an altar call at the end of it. And then I want him to prophesy something to me that speaks into this, even though he doesn't know that I'm even transgender. So I'm not, I'm not asking for much, but I mean, he is the creator of the universe. So like, I thought maybe I could get away with it. Um, <coughs> so I go to bed and I have this, uh, this dream where I've never had a dream like it before or since. I'm doing all sorts of horrible things. I'm going into dungeons, trying to rescue people and then leaving them there in the chains. I'm stealing food that's not mine out of people's shopping trolleys like I'm doing all these horrible things and I wake up feeling like that kind of felt like a nightmare but like it was weird so I don't know I'm, I'm waiting for the other proofs so I'm praying on my way down to this service and I get there and I sit down and this guy from like a southern state in the US probably Texas or somewhere he's sort of a stands up behind the pulpit and he goes, yeah, I am. Um, I fast and I pray for 24 hours before I come and I preach. And I was fasting and praying last night. And at 1 a.m., you know, I had a speech. I had a whole preach prepared. 
And at 1 a.m., the Holy Spirit comes to me and said, you're not going to do it on that, you're going to do it on this instead. And so this guy has literally had the Holy Spirit come to him at the moment that I have prayed for God to change his preach, and, it's, and it's changed his preach. He went on to preach on Isaiah 45, 1 to 3. Um, and it was all about a season of double doors opening. So with a single door, right, you're trying to fit a couch through. We just moved house, so I'm fairly aware of this, right? If you've got double doors like one of these doors over here, and you've only got one of them open, you're trying to fit a couch through, you're like pivoting it, and you're trying to like get it round the bend and all these kind of things, and it's terrible, and you can't really fit everything you need through. But if you open both doors, you can take three couches through with ease. And that was what was being preached to me. Oh, so I don't have to just open the door of the female body or the door of the male brain. I can be both. I can be who I am and what I am at the same time. And then I go up for the altar call and he says, you need to submit to God. You need to submit to what God's asked you to do. And so I tell my church, God's told me I need to start, you know, stop doing the transition thing. A little bit later, I'm like, God's told me I need to start living as a woman again. And they go, we don't recommend you rock up to church dressed as a woman. Because that's a bit controversial. And, you know, Titus 3.9 says that we shouldn't be having needless controversy in our church. Um, so I didn't go to church for a month in December because they had their Christmas um, preparations and it was more important that they did the nativity and everything than that they sort of allowed me to share my testimony so I could go into church and it not be controversial. And so I went back on the 1st January of the next year. I got given five minutes to tell my testimony. I took 15 um, and they were all right for the next month-ish and then God thankfully moved me to a church that was a little bit more sound in what they were doing with the LGBT stuff and then I found a group called X Out Loud which by the way we've got a book with 44 testimonies in it it's brilliant of people leaving LGBT for Jesus um, you know, we've got like a fortnightly support group that we all attend. Um, I now work for the organization that runs X Out Loud, which is really great. Um, and like such an honor to work with those kinds of people. Um, and that gave me the fellowship that I needed. And not only that, but it introduced me to Christian Concern, which introduced me to Tim Dieppe, which introduced me to this church. And here I am. <laughs> so I feel like I've taken way longer than I was supposed to. Though. I don't think anybody thought you took too long. <laughs> I think we just we. It's really moving just to hear your story and that the level of honesty of of where you're at and and actually sometimes you know the, the pain of it as well is very very real, isn't it? And um, we will all know people that are going through exactly the same issue that, that Libby has gone through. And we need to be able to be full of grace in these situations and say, no, we're going to build our lives on the truth. Would you, what would you say would be... You, you mentioned a few different 
um, so like verses that you just thought, oh, they were really foundational. What would you say would be the one verse that you thought, oh, that was, that was the most important verse, really, that helped me to say, no, what I'm doing is, is not just wrong for me, but it is wrong in terms of you know, God's plan for, for anybody who's with the same. Because you know, sometimes people could say, well, that was your story, but somebody else's story is, like, is different, you know. Interesting enough, I actually had that once. Uh, I told my testimony at my church, and somebody from my old church came and then said to me afterwards, oh, are you sure? Like, I get that like God convicted you through Scripture to start living as a woman again, but couldn't God convict someone through Scripture to start being transgender? <laughs> um, I, I would say it's, it's my favorite verse is uh, Ecclesiastes 7.13. You know, consider the work of God for who can straighten what he has made crooked. Yeah. Like, he's made you the way that you're meant to be made. Like, it's his decision. He's the good and holy creator. And I think that, that stands for everyone. You can't straighten what he has made crooked. And what he's mm. made is he's made you in a, a whole intricate array of different contours and curves and crooks and caveats. And that's what makes you an interesting person. Yeah. It's so interesting. I think the, the verses, you know, things like we've talked about Psalm 139, you know, about God creating you in your mother's womb. And he doesn't make a mistake. You know, he, when, he, when he knitted you together and just a, a few cells to start with, it, it wasn't a mistake, but he knew exactly what he was doing and his plan. Um, so, Libby, do, do you want to just go through some of these things that I think will just be yeah. fascinating for us? I think it'd be really interesting. And, um, yeah, is that right? Yeah, that sounds wonderful. Yeah. So, um, I've produced a little series called The Spirit of Transgenderism. This is kind of based on my experience when I was trying to discern what transgenderism actually is when I was leaving it and when I was asking God about what he thinks transgenderism is a really scary thing that we get as a church sometimes we tend to think that this is this big new transgender demon I remember saying to a friend in church who was trying to counsel me through this you're not dealing with like some crazy transgender demon you're dealing with the same issues that everybody deals with when they're in sin. So when I'm leaving transgenderism, I'm not leaving this one single entity of transgenderism. I'm leaving lust or I'm leaving anger or I'm leaving rejection or abandonment or rebellion or all sorts of different things that are completely, there's nothing new under the sun. And so can we go to the, yeah? Wonderful. There's nothing new under the sun. Um, can we go to the next slide, please? Right. So the Hydra, these are um, an Indian sort of subgroup of spirituality. This is generally men who dress as women. This is a historical practice. Um, they're sometimes eunuchs or intersex. So eunuchs would be like a castrated male and intersex would be somebody whose uh, sex is unclear at birth. Um, or often they're just effeminate men. So if you're from a certain parts of India and you're an effeminate man, then there's a good chance that you would be cultured towards, oh, well, you're a hedra, which means that you're not actually a real man. All your masculinity is stripped of you from a social perspective. 
he now dresses as a woman and essentially looked like a drag queen. And there's a highly spiritual connotation to it. They're devotees of the mother goddess, um, Bahuhara Mata, Lord Shiva, or both. So these are gods who aren't the god. And the Hedra, men that dress as women, who are supposedly have a male and female spirit within them, or a man with a woman's spirit in, which you might recognize that kind of wording from the transgender movement. They're actually essentially priests in the temple of the devil by admission of their own role. So can we get to the next slide, please? So this should be our response. So I found four Bible verses that really speak into this. Obviously, male and female, he created them, and he blessed them, and he called them humans when they were created, Genesis 5-2, male and female, we're not intersex or not, you can't be in between male and female. Whoever sacrifices to any God other than the Lord alone shall be devoted to destruction, Exodus 22-20. If you decide you're going to now become a man who dresses a woman or believes that he is part male, part female, in the same way that the Hedra are, well, you're devoting yourself to demons. You're devoting yourself to gods that aren't God. No, I imply that what they sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. I do not want you to be partners with demons. 1 Corinthians 10.20. That's really important because you'll find transgender people quite often feel like they're making a sacrifice. I'm sacrificing my fertility because I need to be true to myself. Or I'm sacrificing my place in society as a white cisgender man because I need to be true to the fact that I'm a woman. Well, you're sacrificing it to demons. You're not sacrificing it to God. If you were sacrificing it to God, it would be going along with his plan of how he created you. A woman shall not wear man's apparel, nor shall a man put on woman's garment. For whoever does such things is abhorrent to the Lord your God. Deuteronomy 22.5 that's really important. Now, this doesn't mean that you can't wear your boyfriend's hoodie. Like, I literally wear all of Ramin's hoodies. But I don't do them to appear as Ramin. I'm not wearing men's clothes to try and look like a man. That's the important part of this. We are male and female by God's design, and we embrace the fact that we're male and female. It doesn't mean that a woman can't have short hair. It does, however, mean that when a woman has short hair and she binds her breasts back and she only wears men's clothes and she calls herself Thomas, that's a problem. So, next slide, please. Yeah, so the two-spirit Native American, this is probably the most popular one that's talked about in the hyper-liberal transgender culture, where they say, oh, well, two-spirit exists, so it's not just a new phenomenon. It's, it's not a new phenomenon because two-spirits do exist. These are... These are people who, in a religion that's not Judeo-Christian, are seen as, they could be male or female, but they're seen as having two spirits within them, one of a man and one of a woman. And so they're seen as being doubly blessed. They'll be thought of when it comes to spiritual matters. People will go to them. Two-spirit people often will marry somebody of the same sex who fulfills the stereotype of their sex so that they have somebody who goes out and hunts and somebody who does the more feminine things like keeping the home and foraging for things. 
sometimes they are just gender non-conforming, but not always. And they are looked to as religious leaders and teachers, which is the scary part of this. So can we have the next slide, please? Okay, that's not the next slide. Um, so we've missed a few slides here, but uh, essentially, there, there were a few Bible verses that go with this, um, but I can essentially just tell you now that oh, we seem to be having. Yeah, I'll just I'll just bother on. It's fine, you know. Um, yeah, we have the same issue where you shouldn't be dressing as the opposite sex. You shouldn't be trying to appear as the opposite sex. God says it's an abomination for a man to sleep with another man as he would with a woman. And so regardless of what stereotype you fit into best, same-sex relations are still a problem. You know, God's designed you as a male or as a female. Not only that, but it's also an, an idolatrous thing to say that, oh, I'm, I am doubly blessed. I now have a male spirit and a female spirit inside of me. Um, interestingly enough, there's something called Gnostic dualism, something that was quite prevalent in the early church as a heresy. People used to think that um, you are your spirit, you're not your body. And so everything in the earthly realm, everything that's your physical person, was disregarded and your spirit was given a higher prestige. So therefore, what I identify as and what I feel as on the inside, that's the reality. And this meat suit that I carry around with me, that's not who I really am. But that's not what the Lord says. The Bible says that we are mind, body, and soul. And so if we're mind, body, and soul, then in order to be a human being, you need all three. You can't have soul and soul and forget about the body for a while. We need to embrace all of what we are. So can I just have the next slide, please? We'll just So Gnostic dualism, yep. Next slide, please. All right, we'll, uh, we'll go through a couple of these. So in vain do they worship me, teaching human precepts as doctrines, Mark 7, 7. It's a really important one because you've got a human doctrine here that's the idea that we're not our mind, body, and soul. And you can't fall into that. That's, that's kind of the problem that we wind up in is you get one small nugget of lie in with your truth. And all of a sudden, we can start saying, oh, well, I identify as a man now and I'm going to live as a man. And therefore, you can't refute, refute transgenderism. You have to be really sure on what the Bible teaches on these issues. And uh, claiming to be wise, they became fools and they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling a mortal human or birds or four-footed animals or reptiles. Romans 1, 22-23. That's basically what's going on right now. You can see it in our society. We're exchanging the wisdom of God that says he created the male and female for the wisdom of man that is now saying that you can't be sure if you're a male or female and we should teach three-year-olds that. So can I have the next slide, please? Okay, so today's context. So now we've wound up with the exact same doctrine 
and the exact same ideology that's existed for thousands of years in our modern culture, and instead of coming from the god Shiva, instead of coming from the two-spirit Native Americans, it's coming from the god of science. Now, science is a wonderful thing. The church practically invented science, especially in the way that it, the scientific method, that came from Christians. But when we start to worship the scientific method, then we can let it say whatever it wants to us, and we, we're not dubious about it whatsoever. And so now that's brought in the transgender ideology with it. So now children as young as three years old are being told that you've got an innate gender identity that is fixed, no, that is fluid and can change with the time of day. In America, there's uh, little kids going to school where they go into a closet and change into clothes of the opposite sex and live the day that way and change back before they go home to their parents. The parents don't find out that they're being groomed into becoming transgender. We're being told that you need to have invasive surgeries to give yourself the appearance of the opposite sex rather than actually just be the sex that you are. We're making children infertile. We're making vulnerable adults infertile. I've got a friend who fought in, um, who fought in the army and he became very traumatized. And he went into transgenderism and he heavily regrets that. But of course he did because he was so traumatized by things and he didn't get the aftercare he needed because when he said, oh, I'm a woman, they said, all right, here's some estrogen, here's some surgeries. So what should our response be? Can I have the next slide, please? Yes, that works. Right, so our response to the modern version of transgenderism. Consider the work of God, who can make straight what he has made crooked. Ecclesiastes 7.13. Little side note, when I found this verse the first time, I didn't know there was a book called Ecclesiastes. So definitely came from God. It wasn't just me going, oh, I guess this fits. Um, for it was you who formed me, my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Psalm 139.13. Just as we've heard today. God doesn't make mistakes, and he formed us in the womb. So we're told these days that your gender is assigned at birth. No, your, your gender is created when you're created. That's at conception. God creates you a fully-fledged human being, and having a biological sex is a part of that. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be a healing for your flesh and a refreshment for your body. Proverbs 3, 7 to 8. So it's not about seeming like you're the most woke. It's not about seeming like you understand the transgender agenda or you, you are the one who accepts the most people who are in the most of the 70,000 gender identities that we now have. It's about saying, actually, no, I know what the word of God says. And even though it's very simple, it's very true. And finally, as long as I have life within me, the breath of God in my nostrils, my lips will not speak wickedness and my tongue will utter no deceit. That's Job 27, three to four. And as we know, Job actually had a few really nice friends who told him that he should be um, speaking against God. 
he had a really nice wife who told him to curse God. So that's a, that's a wonderful thing to have around you. And what do we have in our churches these days? I mean, there are churches out there that will say, affirm the transgender person, just love them. Just, just love them. We won't define what love means, whether it means showing love in truth and action and actually having a righteous love and caring for people not to make mistakes that will injure their body for the rest of their lives. I will utter no deceit. So I'm not going to, as much as Sally down the road, who actually used to be Samuel, wants me to call him a her, I'm not going to do it. Because I'm not going to reinforce the lie that that's a woman. That's not a woman, that's a man. And the more that I reinforce that lie, I'm speaking the lie over this person. I think we've heard today that you need to start speaking the truth over you over things. You need to renounce those lies that you've heard. I mean, we've all grown up hearing lies. You're stupid, you're boring, you're annoying. Everybody's had something like that. Well, I tell you what, every single transgender person has had. You're not girly enough. You're not enough of a man. And so to say to them that they're a he when they're actually a she or a she when they're actually a he, you're just reinforcing what the devil has spoken over that person's life. So we need to be speaking truth, even when we're hated for it. And that's, that's the big challenge, that's the scary thing. Can you go out into the world and go out to Halifax and say, actually, no, this is wrong? Can you go out to the school that's putting in the libraries the books where the little girl wants to be a little boy and say, no, this is wrong, you shouldn't be doing this to children? I think that's the end. So. Yeah. I think it's um, everything that we've we wanted, not necessarily even wanted, but we needed to hear. I think you've just you know shared really eloquently, and I think it's a real challenge, isn't it? You know, because we are under like real pressure, and and I remember I think I saw something online when you you spoke maybe in your mum and you you know and actually you said I'm feeling like this and she affirmed you in that and and you felt that was un really unhelpful thing. Yeah. Do you want to just mention something about that? Yeah. So when I first actually discovered transgenderism when I was twelve, uh, one of the first things I did I wrote a little letter to my mum. And I said, you know, I'm feeling this and I'm really struggling with this. I think I need to talk to somebody about it. Um, you know, I have these fantasies where I've got this male name and I'm living this life and I'm kind of living vicariously through my fantasies and not in the real world. And she was just like, well, I totally accept you. I love you. Took me to the doctor. The doctor referred me to the psychiatrist and the psychiatrist was like, so uh, have you tried wearing chest binders yet? And uh, have you picked a name yet? Have you picked a male name yet? There was no, there was no like, oh, maybe you have some deep-seated trauma that you need to work through. So what we, what we need to do is to, is to somehow to hear Libby's story and pray that God gives us the wisdom and the boldness and the courage and the sensitivity and the grace to speak truth to an unbelieving world 
and to do it boldly, but in a way that we can win people over. You know, I don't think we want to go out and have placards, but actually we do need to be saying to people, God, please help us here to speak into a culture that is speaking a lie over people's lives. And we're willing to do that in other areas, but we're not always willing to do it in an areas where we might get it in the neck for it. Yeah. And so that's what we really need to, to pray for uh, right now. So um, I'm, I'm also just uh, slightly aware of the time. Time is going on, but I think every, every, I almost didn't want you to stop, but just practically we need to... So, so what I'm going to invite us to do is, um, in a moment, it's going to invite us to stand, if that's okay. I'm going to pray, and then Libby, are you right just to, to pray over us? Is that all right? To pray over us, and then we're going to pray, and also we're going to then pray for Libby and Raman, if that's okay. Is that all right? Can I just invite you to, to stand? Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus, we know that uh, sinners seem to come to you a lot. And when sinners came to you, Lord, you spoke truth into their lives. And you gave them a way to find restoration and hope. You spoke into their, their identity. You spoke into their personhood, who they were. You reaffirmed your call on their lives to be the person that you created them to be. And quite frankly, Lord, sometimes we, we think we, we're almost stepping into a lion's den of disapproval and of people tutting and of people calling us medieval and archaic. And so, Lord Jesus, we're saying to you, would you now come and strengthen us that we would be the men and the women that are able to stand to you for your truth? And that we're able to do that in a way that is full of grace and full of kindness and full of love. Make us not fearful of disagreeing with somebody, but give us your grace to do that well. We pray, Lord. I pray for a new heart, Lord, to fill us again, to stand firm on the rock of Jesus and all that you are, O oh Lord. Father, we thank you. Lord, I just thank you so much for Trinity Church. I thank you for the heart of this congregation, for the heart to love you, to learn about you, to apply you in their daily lives. I thank you that there are so many people who've been listening intently out of a love for you and out of a want to honour you in this world and to understand and out of a humility that is quite difficult to find. So Lord, I pray that you'll bless that humility and that love. I pray that you will bless their hearts to move out into the world. I pray that you'll give each and every person in this room the strength and the courage and the opportunities 
to go and apply what we've been speaking of today, that you will reinforce what we've been talking about in a way so that each person can understand the relevance of this in their own lives, in their own ministries, in their own walk with you. But also that you will give us all the courage, that you will give us all the heart and the resilience to go out into this world and speak out against something that is seen as so non-controversial in these days, the idea that a man can become a woman or vice versa. Lord, I pray that you will protect us, that you will protect us from the, from the onslaught that, um, that the enemy wants to unleash upon those who speak truth and righteousness in your name. And I thank you for your presence around us all. I pray that you'll go home with each person here, with their children and their family who may go to different churches or may not even be believers. I pray that you will speak into all of their lives in the way that is personal to them. The same way that you spoke so personally into my life and you made transformational changes, these seismic changes. I pray that you will make the same seismic changes in others' lives, no matter what each person is struggling with today, no matter what their friends and families and loved ones are struggling with today, that you will move in those spaces and that you will cause a miracle that is unheard of today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Can we give Libby a massive round of applause? <laughs> Thank you. So, it would be great to get you in. So what I'd really like to do now is, Rami, can you, can you come up as well? Is that right? And we just want to pray for these guys. We want to pray for them. 23rd of July, they get married. That's the day. We're going to pray God's blessing over you. Uh, but I'll what I'd be really like is a few people just come up and pray for them, if that would be all right. Yeah, is that okay? Why don't a few people just come and gather around, come and be nearby. And if you want to pray, just wave your hand and I'll give you the microphone. Who's going to start? Yeah, Father God, we just want to thank you for joining these two wonderful people together. We thank you for their amazing boldness and courage and conviction and love of you. We just want to pray that you would unite them powerfully in your love, unite them powerfully in your truth. Let them learn very soon how to live together as man and wife and how to love and cherish each other in that way. We pray that you bless them with children. Uh, we know that there's issues that might have come up with that. We just want to pray now in Jesus' name that you'd overcome those in Jesus' name and they would be able to have children and be wonderful parents as well. And we pray that you'd make them a fantastic example and role model for many other people and you'd expand their ministry and their influence um, around this nation we pray in Jesus name Amen Yeah Lord we, we just want to pray Father. just want to pray Father that actually your goodness would come over this couple Lord and that as they uh, are joined together as a married couple that Lord that you'd be right there in the mix and Lord we thank you that a, a cord of three strands is not easily broken and thank you Lord that marriage is, is your really good design and God we just want to pray for 
for just uh, you to be in every situation, every discussion, every kind of thing that they face, Lord, that you'd be right there, giving them real direction and clarity and, and helping to them to know the way forward. And Lord, we want to pray, yeah, that you would give them a real ministry, Father. Uh, thank you for Libby and the way that she's spoken, Father, over our life and brought truth to us. And Lord, I pray that she'd just be able to really boldly declare the truth that you've you've shown her, Father, and that it would have a huge impact in people's lives, Lord, and that together they would just um, really bring your kingdom, Father, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, Lord, I thank you that you say the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon you, Lord Jesus, to bring freedom to the captives, Lord Jesus. And I pray for this couple as they get married, Lord Jesus, that the spirit of the sovereign Lord would be upon them. I pray that you would anoint them with your spirit, Lord Jesus. I pray that they would be dripping in your oil, Lord Jesus, an overflow of your power, Lord Jesus. And I pray that you would use them to bring freedom to captives, Lord Jesus. Freedom to captives, Lord Jesus. I pray that you would anoint their voices, Lord Jesus, but anoint them, Lord Jesus, to know that your gospel comes with power, Lord Jesus, so that they would step into a ministry of power, Lord Jesus, of deliverance, Lord Jesus, of freedom, Lord Jesus. Anoint them, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just thank you so much for Libby and Raman, and we just speak your your blessing over them, Lord, and we just speak your your grace over them, Lord. The devil always wants to speak defeat against them. The devil wants to speak um, discord amongst them, God, but your word, which is greater, wants to speak blessing over them, God. And, and, it, and it, the question is, whose report will we believe? And, and, and the word of God speaks grace upon grace, blessing upon blessing, and, and favor upon favor. Fruitfulness will, will follow you all the days of your life as you seek God. We bless them, Lord, and we speak your grace over them together as a church in Jesus' name.